Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Dowds. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Happy Monday. We've got a great show in store for you. We have a great week in store for you. But before we jump into today's conversation, I want to take a moment and tell you about one of our amazing partners, BetterHelp. You know this about me, but seeing my counselor regularly has been really helpful for me. I think it really matters that we prioritize our mental and emotional health while we're also caring about our spiritual and physical health. If there's anything in your life that's interfering with your health and happiness, BetterHelp is here for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can connect with in a convenient, safe, and private online environment. You can send your therapist a message anytime and you'll get a timely and thoughtful response. I love that. Plus, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And it really matters to the team at BetterHelp, and it matters to me too, that they facilitate great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. You can always check out the testimonials on their website to hear people who've experienced BetterHelp and you can just get a better idea of what it does. And BetterHelp offers services for clients all over the world. And they have licensed professional therapists that specialize in so many different disciplines like depression or stress, grief, self-esteem, anxiety, family troubles, and more, which means that the right help is available for whatever you're walking through. This is not self-help, and it's not a crisis hotline. It's convenient, professional, and affordable counseling, and anything you share is completely confidential. I want you to start living a healthier life today. As one of my friends, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Join over a million people and so many of our friends who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash that sounds fun. Today on the podcast is my friend, Hosanna Wong. She's an international speaker and author, the host of TBN's Better Together, and a spoken word artist who grew up in an urban ministry in the streets of San Francisco. From there to her years of touring the country, sharing Jesus through spoken word poetry, and on to becoming a sought-after speaker in churches and conferences around the world, Hosanna has learned how to say yes to God, no matter how intimidating or uncertain the task. In her new book, How Not to Save the World, The Truth About Revealing God's Love to the People Right Next to You, Hosanna takes readers on a journey of inspiration and self-realization. Y'all, I love this book. I love this woman. I am so proud to be friends with her. So here's my conversation with Hosanna Wong. Hosanna, welcome to That Sounds Fun for Starters. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so sorry it's taken this long. I'm, I feel shame and embarrassment that you haven't been on sooner. I love being in your little corner of the world. This is so cool. <laughs> Welcome I love to it. it. Tell me what you are drinking as we're meeting because I have a chai. Do you have anything? All black iced. <gasps> You're lying. A venti black coffee iced? Sometimes it's iced. Sometimes it's hot. But it's venti and it's black. Dude, that is straight caffeine into your veins. <laughs> Yes, it is. Absolutely. Do you finish the whole thing? Games. Oh, yeah. This is my first one today. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your first one today. How many are we going to have? I mean, if it's a venti, probably just a second. If it's if it's a venti, probably just two. Oh. Probably just two. <laughs> I am so impressed. <laughs> Do you not go at 150 miles an hour all day? Yeah. I, I mean, I go, I start really early. I'm a morning person and I go, I go until, I go until it wears off. Yeah, oh, I, I go. Gracious. I mean, right now, right now we are. We're releasing a book. We're excited about this message. We like have waited 
for yeah, this. So it's excitement yeah. and it's good. Um, but the caffeine helps, you know, you need some Holy Spirit <laughs> and some coffee beans for sure. <laughs> Tell me about your morning rhythms. What does it, everybody in the world thinks that everybody else can tell them how to do a quiet time and how to do their mornings and all the things. But I just like yeah. for everybody to hear like a variety of morning rhythms. So what do your oh, mornings look that. like? That's so good because some people aren't morning people. And so some people, if they're not morning people and they think they have to do it a certain way, they won't read the Bible or spend time alone with the Lord at all because they're like, oh, I don't do it like them. So I guess I'm out. But I am a morning person, actually. And so I wake up early. I start the coffee pot. (laughs) Okay, so today I have my venti, but typically I'll start at home and I'll put the coffee on. And while the coffee is brewing, I'm sitting down, grabbing my Bible and in the word first thing. And it's not because I'm super spiritual. It's because I'm super not, and I need it Same early girl. in the morning, first thing, mm-hmm. that it's like the first thing I'm hearing about myself and the first thing I'm thinking mm-hmm. about. And then I get the coffee, you know, in the middle. Then I get the coffee. Then it's added in, it added into the word. Yeah. Now it's a little bit more spiritual the more awake I get. And so that's <laughs> that's typically my morning routine as best as I can. Even if I'm on the road or in a hotel, I'll try to get up a little bit earlier than what I have to get up for. Just turn on the coffee and the smells, the yeah. aroma. The aroma of the coffee in the Bible. That's that's my typical morning routine. Yeah. I'm a I'm not a coffee person. I'm a tea person, but I'm the same. I start my tea and then I go back and sit and set a timer. And when the timer goes off, I go back and get it. So tell you must me be so much more chill. I feel like uh, tea people are just more zen you, people. You know me so much better than that. If you think that I'm more <laughs> chill. It's because oh, you're not, you don't need the coffee. You don't it's need the coffee. I like, wake up at this speed. Everything let's just I give do her is tea. 10, Just 10 give this miles an hour tea. too fast. How do you decide what to read in the mornings in your Bible? You know, actually what's what's interesting is I'm trying to make it a discipline to not be reading what I'm preaching on or writing yeah. about for work at the time. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm just I'm reading and I'm getting into a work speed. Oh, I'm I'm writing right now on Ephesians. Oh, right now I'm doing a series about the Beatitudes. Oh, right now I'm writing mm-hmm. a book about this. And if I get into that part of the word, yep. then my mind is kind of going at that pace. And maybe people are more disciplined than me and they can turn that off and compartmentalize that, but I'm not. And so for me, there's typically like a book I'm going through um, that is picked for that Mm -hmm. season because it's Mm -hmm. not what I'm currently preaching on. But that's for me. That's just me noticing I was working in the morning when I was going to the passages I was studying on for for work or for church or for writing or whatever. Um, So that's me. So right now I'm reading 1st and 2nd Corinthians over and over a couple times. Um, It's not something I'm currently speaking on. Although I'm being so brought to life through it, one day it might happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, okay, we're taking two paths from there, but I promise we're going to hit both of them. One of them, uh, will you talk to our friends listening who teach Sunday school or who are writing a blog or a book or whatever, or who preach on Sunday mornings, the men and women? Uh, for me, I have to keep separate my morning time and my study time because otherwise, like you said, I am working for God all the time. It's also why I can't open Instagram before I'm finished with my study time and my morning time or I will go straight to work. So we talk about why that matters. Why does it matter to have a an independent relationship with God that is separate from your work working relationship with God? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, I mean, I'm I'm a recovering workaholic and I've been in ministry for a long time. So for me, yeah. it is so easy to find my identity in working for God mm-hmm. than to find my identity just in God. Yeah. And sometimes I can think that just resting in him and resting in his presence takes me away from the mission, but the truth is that resting right. in him is a part of the mission. 
It's a part of the mission. And the mission is first to know him and then it's to make him known. It's Mm -hmm. first to be in a relationship Mm -hmm. with him and then it's to carry out his plans. And Ephesians 1, 4 says that first he calls us to be in a relationship with him and then he lays out plans. So for me, it can be so easy to wake up in the morning and go to the plans and do the plans. And that's good. God's made me with some good work ethic and hustle in me. But if I'm not careful, I will skip the relationship altogether and just go to the plans. And when you work in a sphere where you're studying God's word as a vocation, you know, you can justify, oh, but this is for God when your work brain is on and you're not finding your identity outside of productivity. And the enemy loves that. He loves to take this beautiful thing we do in ministry, serving in our churches, Sunday school, volunteering, and skew it just a little bit. So we're not finding our identity in God and the joy of serving God and people. We're instead finding it as a work mandate, and then we lose the joy. Mm. We lose his presence and we lose who we really are. I'm not perfect at it. But because I know I'm not perfect at it, I've created some boundaries for some healthier rhythms. Yeah. I mean, I am, uh, you know this about me, but I am so naturally lack in discipline that I overcorrect a lot where I make, I draw, <laughs> I mean, my, the boundary walls in my life have fallen in pleasant places, but they are high. And so like in the room where I read in the mornings, I don't even bring my phone. I use my mm-hmm. iPad that doesn't have texting or when I yeah. need to look up something or when I'm yeah. using blue letter Bible. I mean, I just have to have the highest boundaries because I know myself, like you're it's saying, true. like, I know that I'll po- start posting on Instagram at 7 a.m. given the chance. Yeah. And I will not open social media if I'm preaching that day or, or teaching somewhere at a conference or a Sunday service. I won't get on social media till I've finished uh, because I'm trying to focus on this word. I'm trying to make sure I'm hearing from God. I don't know if I have, I don't have the maturity sometimes to block out other voices that might be taking me away Same. or that might make me and my flesh thinking other things. So I try to stay focused, try to be with the real humans in front of me, minister to where they are, not be distracted. And it's not because I'm spiritual, it's because I'm, I'm very limited. That's I think right. over the years, I've just learned where my limitations are. I went to this art gallery the other day in Chicago and there was an artist who does all her drafts in pen and no other artist did that and she said I don't recommend people do it I just rec- I just realized that my limitation was I overthought everything I was drawing when it was in pencil and all I had was things erased 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 so my limitation showed me I need to start drawing in pen to say, I know what I want to say. And if I had the boldness to keep to my original thought, that's when I would make great art that made great change. Mm. And all of her art in the in the, in the the museum were things that were drafted in pen. So I, I don't think it, it's how everyone needs to do it. I know lots of people, we have friends that are high capacity people that could be on their phones while their friends are preaching, that can be on their phones first thing in the morning, they're high capacity people. And I'm not, I'll be influenced by something and when I'm in a place where I can minister to other people, I got to make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm doing what God's called me to do and not what, you know, flesh hosing in inside of me might want to do. <laughs> Listen, I'm in the mid, I'm in the actual middle of a story that I don't know how it's going to end. And, and I keep having to call on faith and hope, right? Like I yeah. just keep having to like bring these back up and bring them around. And I find that if I sit on Instagram, it starts stealing my faith and hope. And I have to go like, mm-hmm. I got to get off this because I am, I am like doing all I can to have my muscles strong, yeah. right? Like for what God's asking me to do in this work thing, like I've got to have some strength here, but yeah. being on social media, there are times where I go, this is actually making me weaker, not stronger. Yep. Absolutely. And there are other times when I see, I mean, I just saw you do one of your pieces for If Lead. There are other times when being on social media actually makes me stronger. And yeah. I just have to pay attention. I, I give myself about a four-minute 
How's this making you feel? <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Like a, kind of a self audit after four minutes. I yeah. try to see it as like, what am I going on for right now? Because sometimes I'm like, I'm going on to encourage people for 15 minutes. So I'm going to scroll, like everyone's things that I see, tell them good. I see them, praying for them, root for them. If I see a prayer request, actually pray for it. If I'm kind of maybe perceiving a prayer request based on this post, I'm going to stop and pray for them. I'm going to encourage them, root them on. Social media is an awesome place to tell people who they really are. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to reach people in places of the world that we not, are not physically at. But, and sometimes I'll say, I'm going on social media to rest, relax, and turn off. Me and my husband will come after work and we'll say, man, let's just, we're just going to sit here, have some barbecue and turn off for 20 minutes and just scroll and see our friends. But yes. it's intended for rest. And I think what happens sometimes is when we don't have an intent, we're just accidentally not being productive or encouraging, and we're not actually wow. resting. Wow. We're not engaging, and we're not turning off. We're just mindlessly doing what? Wasting time, being irritated. So I think it's great to go on and rest if you need to. I, I don't have an issue with that. That's I think it's beautiful. great to go on and encourage. But yeah. I think when you know why you're going on, then you won't waste yes. your time. Say why before you open the app. I'm going on here because I feel lonely. So let me connect with some friends. I'm mm -hmm. going on here because I'm tired. So let me look at some accounts that I know make me laugh or help me rest. Or That is yeah. brilliant, Hosanna. Yeah. I have a friend who her and her husband save funny things they see on Instagram all week long. And uh -huh. on Friday nights, they have a date night. They go out to a restaurant and they just show each other things they saved all oh, week to make so each other sweet. laugh. And I was like, that's kind of, that's like, what a unique way with your yeah. personality and what you like and your boundaries for social media, you finding a way for it to bring you joy, rest, yeah. peace, but you have to be in charge of your time and don't yes. let it control that's you. That's beautiful. We are going to get to your book in a minute because I think you, what you're doing is walking us, you're even teaching us how to love and that but before we do, I got a First Corinthians thing for you that I would okay, love for you wonderful. to talk down. We keep having themes accidentally happen on the podcast. So one of our themes right now is Psalm 23. Like people just keep accidentally bringing it up all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's been bananas. I mean, it's very cool. But I also have been thinking, and in my non-podcast life, I keep going back to faith, hope, and love. Oh, yeah. And I know that's cheesy because like we hang it in our houses, right? But like as you're going through 1 Corinthians over oh, and no, over again. Yeah. yeah. Get your Bible, girl. Get your Bible. Robbing I see it. you. Robbing it. Um, what, are, what are you learning about faith, hope, and love? Like particularly 1 Corinthians 13. But where, I mean, I, I, I just keep going back to these three things and going, do I actually have faith? Do I actually have hope? Do I actually have yeah. love? Like, I mean, I'm not kidding you, Hosanna. I was on those three words for my entire study of the Bible last week. Every morning, I couldn't get out of 1 Corinthians 13. I think that's beautiful because I think that one of the ways the enemy can have victory over our mindsets in our lives is by making some of the most important things in God's words, some of the most important guides of how to live, make it seem to us like it's cheesy uh, or outdated. Right. Or if you see this right. crocheted enough times, you might just dismiss it. If you beautiful. see this in calligraphy on a church wall enough times, you might just dismiss yes. it. And I think that's one of his favorite ways to kind of water down some of the most important truths that we need in our yes. lives. Yes. And I think I'll just take the one that was speaking to you, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Yes. We don't want to be it, talk, talking to people that can say statements that sound super spiritual. 
right? Mm-hmm. Religious mm-hmm. people that know all the right sayings to sound super elite. Right. And what this is reminding us is that we don't want to be people who can say statements that sound super spiritual, but don't serve people where they really are. Do you right. have faith that God can do everything he said he will do? Do you have hope that there's life and there's there's joy on the other side of your situation? And do you love people before they love you? Like mm-hmm. Romans 5, 8 says, God loved us so much that while we were sinning, Christ died for us. Are you choosing people before they choose you? Are you fighting for uh, people before they fight for you? Are you loving people right. before they love you? Uh, but it's crocheted, and my grandma said it to me all the time, so I don't really want to do it. And it's like these things would strengthen your life, strengthen your faith, and change people's lives around you. So I'm trying to think of the ways I've dismissed some of the things I was taught from my parents yes. that I thought were cheesy, religious, spiritual, that the enemies had victory in my life by making me think it's not important because he knows it would transform my life and transform the lives of the people around me. And back to what you were saying earlier about waking up early in the morning and reading the word, I never wanted to do it because my parents my parents were so, so spiritual. They would do it for hours and hours in the morning. Oh my gosh. And if they missed a morning, they'd deal with a lot of, lot of guilt. And because I knew I wasn't that spiritual, I just never attempted to spend time with God because right. I knew I couldn't wake up for two, but four in the morning right. and then go to class. And, um, you know, I didn't know how to pray the way they prayed. But then I think it was after I grew up a little bit and just needed God so much that I was so broken, that I was so insecure, yeah. that I didn't know who I was, that I was like, I just need this, not because it's a religious mandate, but I need it because I need to know how to live, yes. how to be Hosanna. That's How do good. I treat people? How yeah. am I a person in 2021? And so, but then I realized I was a morning person. So then yeah. I started reading it because I needed it in the morning and, and I don't give myself guilt. I miss morning sometimes. I'm Me going too. on a flight. I'm in a different time zone. So then now I'm doing it later in the day and I don't live in that guilt. I live in the freedom of I'm invited. I'm invited to read this with the freedom without, you know, the, the, the guilt of I didn't do it at 4 a.m. this right, morning. Right. And sometimes I miss it, but I don't live in guilt. I just read it again tomorrow. Also 4 a.m.? I know, my parents, man. Let me oh, tell Zana, you. <laughs> that ain't my ministry, girl. I ain't up at 4. <laughs> I don't know that life. I'm still at Bedside Baptist at 4. Golly. That's my parents. That's my parents. That's my parents. Okay. It's like, yo. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, but I love that. Yeah, First Corinthians. I've just been reading it thinking like, man, someone show me how to live. Huh. Someone show me how to how to be a real Jesus follower in 2021. And how can I tell people how Jesus is the real deal in my real life? So I've loved reading it. It's, you know, it's not necessarily the topics I'm preaching on this year, which, which has is been great. Because this is my moment alone with God. And you mm-hmm. you are seeing when I'm speaking at your local church or I'm on your podcast, you're reading my book, you're seeing something that God gave me a revelation of a couple years ago yep. or during some quiet time. Yeah. But you're not, you know, you might not be seeing what I read this morning that's right. transforming me. You know, I just think for me, it's important to have a separation. So I don't, I don't start working for God every second of every day and miss the, the relationship with him. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our incredible partners, Indeed. When you are ready to make a hire for your company, there can be a lot of pressure to hire someone with the exact skills you need to help your business. How do you know who's really the best fit for the role? Save time and screen for quality candidates with the skills you need with Indeed assessments. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just these three simple steps, attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just 
just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed's Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skills tests to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. You guys, four times they have got it figured out. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide, including the That Sounds Fun Network that uses Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Offer valid through September 30th and terms and conditions apply. And now back to my conversation with Hosanna. How did you know to keep looping through first and second Corinthians? Like what was the thing in your gut? I would imagine there's a lot. I mean, I did the um, gospels in 2020. So I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John every month for the whole year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's awesome, dude. It is. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you it changed how I think and feel about Jesus for the rest of my life. It was one of the cooler things I've ever done. So how did you know to keep looping through first and second Corinthians? What was your gut push on that? Okay, my super spiritual answer yeah. is that it's not spiritual at all. I grabbed my Bible and looked to see where I had the most highlights and underlines over time. Wow. So I just that's like looked cool. at it and I was like, where is there lots of underlines? Yeah. And where where have I written lots of notes over time? And what has God showed me in the past that maybe I'm forgetting right now in the present? Yeah. Sometimes it's not like God give me a new revelation. Sometimes it's like, remind me of what you've been telling me. Remind me who you've been in the past. Remind me how you saved me through this three years ago. Yes. And so I actually looked and saw where's the most highlights. And I noticed that the most were in first and second Corinthians. I don't know why that is. Just over the years, there's been so many highlights there. And so I was like, I want to, I want a fresh revelation of, of things God has taught me in the past. And it gave me so much life. I realized after I read it the second time, there was things I'd missed the first time. Yes. So I've just been going back through it. I don't have a super spiritual reason That's other than That's a cool than, answer. Than that. That's such a cool answer. How long have you used that particular Bible? This one, maybe two years. Okay. Maybe this one's two years. Do you trade years. them out? You know, I speak at a handful of different local churches that prefer certain versions. Ah. And, there's, and, and as long as they're, you know, they're all Bible-based. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I typically like to try to teach from their version they're used to. And then I'll sprinkle in, you know, whatever personal yeah. preferences I had or revelations yeah. I had from this, you know. And, and so I've had this one for two. And then there's one I've had since eighth grade. And the yeah. stuff I highlighted and wrote in that, I know I should not be preaching. It is, <laughs> it is, I, did not, I did not understand some of this. <laughs> Hosanna, I have the, I am, I still on my daily use, use the Bible I got as a ninth grader. And so every bit, so for 20, what year was that? 90, I mean, almost 30 years, no, 25 years, 20 years. I've been using the exact same Bible, but I have some of the things underlined that I'm like, oh boy, I've put sticky notes over some things where I'm like, let's add some new notes on top of that. Don't preach this. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. my great granddaughter gets this Bible yeah, one that's day, right. dear that's granddaughter, right. don't do it this yeah. way. Yeah. Anywhere you see a sticky note, leave it because it's covering <laughs> up something stupid. But the beautiful oh. thing, I wonder if this has been your experience too, is that my Bible for me is not only the history of God, it is my history with God. Yeah, absolutely. 
And that is so special to me. And how these words have interacted with my actual life. Yeah. So here's these words. Here's God's words. And how here's how it interacted with me in 2019. Here's yeah. how it interacted with me in 2020. Do you put and dates? I specifically, I don't have a ton of dates. I think I have a couple handful. I also have like a journal separate that mm-hmm. I have dates in. Yeah. But I also have quite a bit of sermon notes. Like this actually contains quite a bit of sermon notes because I like to preach from my Bible and I think it came from me teaching to so many younger people who never had a physical Bible. Right. And I love the Bible app and I use the Bible app, but I have a discipline of reading the word already. Yeah. And so for me, for people that have never had a physical Bible or don't see the value of how this word is life, right. I've wanted young people to see me with physical paper just because I'm a younger preacher and yep. I don't want them to feel like it's just old school. Brilliant. So yep. I've made a, a habit of their sermon notes, like here's the chapter and here's the bullet yep. points for this sermon. Here's the name Brilliant. of the church. Here's the bullet oh, point. Oh, I love that. So it's kind of a trip. Yeah. And if I go to a conference and they're like, oh, shoot, we had you signed up for three sermons, not two. Could you just do one? I'm like, give me my Bible. <laughs> they're, 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 they're like, let me flip. <laughs> That's brilliant. And we, I, say, I mean, I say the same it. thing at Crosspoint. When I get up and get to teach at Crosspoint, I'm always like, here is my Bible. Because you should have a Bible you can hold. Though I am the same. I use a Blue Letter Bible app every day. I use yeah. version to read different versions every day. But there yeah. is something about holding. Because we can. I mean, both of us mm-hmm. are part of lots of organizations that are helping people who do not have the Bible in their native language. Please get one that you can hold because we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we're talking about getting off our phones and being intentional, it's hard for me to ignore text I'm getting in the morning uh, if I'm just reading my Bible on my phone. 100%. Um, I just don't have the discipline. So it just has to be in the other room. I'm here with my paper. Um, and it has notes, again, from two years ago what this verse meant that my phone yeah. at this point that's deep in the archives, that's going to be hard to find. Right. So, it's on a hard drive yeah. somewhere. It's just not available. Right. Yeah. Hosanna, how has your personal Bible reading affected your book you wrote? Like, how did how did that how did your daily time lead to how not to save the world? Well, well, that, that's a great question. I wrote how not to save the world because they, you know, people said write about what you know, yeah. what you're an expert at. And at this point in my life, I'm not an expert at much, but I'm an expert at how not to show God's love. Wow. I'm an expert at how not to lead people to Jesus. I'm an expert at how not to save the world because I've done it so wrong. I believe so many lies about myself, my purpose mm. and calling, and my participation in God's church Yeah, that I have shied away from sharing my story with my friends far from God. I have been pushy. I have been aggressive. I have sent more links to sermons to them than I've sent invitations to go get coffee. I've done it so wrong. I've wanted to share about Jesus, but I haven't done it in the Jesus way. And so reading the Word of God these past, I'll say past 10 years, has been me unlearning some of the lies I believed as a kid Maybe wow. lies, I don't know where they came from. Maybe they're lies from a certain person. Maybe they're lies from a certain church or a certain message. Who knows where these lies came from? But all these lies I believe that have held me back from sharing about God in my everyday life to the people right next to me, reading God's word these past 10 years saying, oh, what the Bible actually says about showing God's love is this. This yeah. is different than what I thought. Yeah. Oh, including people. The Bible actually says this. Oh, that's different than what I thought. Oh, I don't have to live in fear of the results. 
I can have relationships without the pressure of the results or the outcome of what this relationship might go to or lead to. Right. I can I can just have relationships. Like there's just so much in God's word that says the truth about the life God wants us to live. And it's so important that we're in the word because we might have heard it wrong or mm. learned it wrong or gotten it wrong. And this word shows us how we really can live and how we really can love. Yeah. And it turns out it's way more accessible to us than we ever imagined. Yeah. Um, and so I, that's what the word has been for me this past decade. And continuously writing that book, I was think, I realized I'm not the only one who's been lied to. I'm not the only Christ follower who has believed lies that have held us back from sharing God's love. Mm. Because I'll tell you, when I first started telling people, I don't know what it's like for you when you first start telling people, I'm going to write this book yeah. or this is the message in me. Yeah. I'm sure for you, it might be different every book, maybe. Like every book yeah. may be a different it, it, Yes, you're right. But it yeah. is the where you are going, what you're about to say happens with every book. It's just a different thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I shared with people, I want, I want to talk about sharing Jesus. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of Christ followers being very evasive about that. They don't yep. think it's valuable. And a lot of people said, don't write a book on evangelism in 2021. Christ followers don't care about sharing Jesus's love anymore. People are too afraid to share their story. Don't talk about evangelism. It's your first published book. Like we want you to succeed. Don't oh, do the topic. Christ followers. That makes me so mad that some people said that to you. Anna. What's crazy is that they like love me and support me. Like they That's weren't right. saying They're like, like don't people. do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were my people. But I was just like, I'm not. I'm not going to believe the lie that there's not mm-hmm. a way for every single person we know to know Jesus. And look yes. at this world, and look at what came to the surface of how how much people are in need of hope, and people want hope, and people want something real. And especially Gen Z and millennials, man, they want something real. And that is a great opportunity for us. You want something real? Jesus is real. And he has real healing for your real hurts and real hope for your real brokenness, real solutions to your real questions. And so how are we going to show the hope of Jesus in 2021? We've got to talk about it. Yeah. If this is the worst selling book in the world, let it be a message that is the most important mission in the world. Um, so anyways, I uh, that's how the word of God showed me the truth is that this is more important than we've been led to believe. Yeah. I uh, Can I compliment you for a few minutes? Just sit in it and believe me and everything I'm about to say about oh your book. Oh my gosh. I will not stop you. Okay, great. <laughs> the cover the cover's beautiful. That matters so much because it's, as always, it's so cool. You're so cool. So the cover's great. But you're writing, Hosanna, is so, because you're a poet as well as a preacher, mm-hmm. we yeah. experience the poet-preacher in through the whole book. I just loved it because the whole time I just felt like you were, that the poetry was leading me, you know, cool. and, and the poetry felt so safe that it made the prose uh, really attainable. And I was like, right. oh yeah, she's right. Like the way it split up is literally how not to save the world. Don't rely on your own power. Don't yeah. go big or get out. So you get each yeah. chapter is like, here's what you don't do. Right. Absolutely. And the one I would love for you to talk about this one, Hide your faith at home. Yeah. Why, why, why at home? I mean, I, I know why from reading it, but we talk to people about why it matters to not hide your faith at home. Yeah. I mean, I just think a lot of people, they, they think that their spiritual life is separate from their real life. Mm. And so they don't talk about Jesus in their everyday life. They don't talk about Jesus when they are out with their friends or going to work, just naturally talking about your life. When you have a real friend, you're naturally talking about your other friends. You're naturally talking about your other relationships and your life. And we, man, if we want to see this world find the hope in Jesus, we can't 
hide the most important relationship in our life from all yeah. of our other important relationships. I used to believe the lie that there was only two ways, two options. One, I'm as aggressive as possible and just spout theological <laughs> monologues at people. Right. And if they don't believe me, then that's their loss. I did what God called me to do. Or two, I just hide the fact that I've been set free from yeah. so much brokenness and shame. And I know the answer to people's brokenness and their shame, but I'm not going to tell them because I don't want to be weird or pushy. And it yeah. turns out the truth is that you can talk about Jesus without being weird or pushy. I talk about that a lot in chapter three about my baby brother, Elijah, and learning how to connect with someone at home um, that we can, that we're able. Yeah, yeah. Will you, uh, so here's a question I have for you. Uh, some of our friends listening are in this season right now. We've all been in this season, if you've walked with God for some amount of time of being disappointed in what God has oh, yeah. done in your life. Okay. How do we tell that story? Does it draw people closer to Jesus when we tell the truth when we're disappointed too? Or do we need to only tell when it's going well? I think that there is so much power in commonality. Mm. We so often can be mad at people that they don't see the world the way we see it. That they don't see life the way that we do. Right. Um, And God was not mad at us when we weren't where he was and didn't see the world the way he saw it. Instead, he sent Jesus to be God with us, Emmanuel with us in the real hurts of our lives and with the, the real mourning of our lives, what humans go through. And he calls us to do the same. There's so much power and commonality that God thought, I'm going to have to have something in common with them to set them free. He sent Jesus to have something in common with us, to be human with us. So I think one of the most powerful ways, one of the great catalysts to showing people Jesus in your life is to finding what you have in common. There's more than you have in common than you have different. And when you find that thing you have in common, yeah, I've, I've been insecure about that too. In fact, I've been talking to God about that and trying to see what his word says about me because mm. I'm struggling with not feeling enough too when I'm not invited yeah. and not welcome. Yeah. Or, you know what, that question you have about God, I have it too. I'm not sure why is there so much brokenness in the world? This stinks. Yeah. Me too. And people don't want to be preached at and people don't want to be impressed. People want to know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. People want to be seen. People want to be known. And you have something in common with people. And it is in that commonality where they're going to be able to see, oh, you have a void in your heart that I have too. Oh, and you had an answer to that same void, and that's what I want to know. The thing that we share in common, what has interacted with your life and worked, tell me how to live. Show me how to get that kind of healing. So commonality is extremely important. I was in the pool with some friends last week, and one of the guys was telling a story, and he said, I'm going to tell you all this story even though I'm in the middle because I want a, he wanted us to pray for him for the story, but also he was kind of saying like, I, I'm, this makes me nervous to tell y'all before I know what God's going to do because yeah. I could be disappointed, but I'd rather tell of God in the middle than wait till the end. That's and I was awful. like, man, what a beautiful thing to invite all of the, the four of us that were standing in the pool yeah. into, right? Like talk about the power of inviting people into the middle of the story. Oh, that's powerful. Okay, so back to 1 Corinthians. Let's go. We got <laughs> a new theme. Watch out, everybody. <laughs> Watch out. Move over Psalm 23. That's right. Watch out Psalm 23. Um, Paul's coming but, for you. Paul's coming with a vengeance. No, I actually, this is one of the first things in the first chapter that really stood out to me that I've missed. I missed the first couple times I read it uh-huh. was 1 Corinthians verse 6. And it says, your life story 
uh-huh. confirms the life story of the anointed one. So here we are wow. telling the story about Jesus, someone who people can't see, someone that people might not be familiar with, but your life story, someone that people are familiar with, someone that people can see, and about how right. Jesus is interacting with your life. You used to have this anger problem, but now you've chosen Jesus, and now you're more encouraging at work and more inclusive at work. And people are like, what the heck? I knew you. Right. What changed? And it's Jesus. It's like you are the living proof that what we've heard about is real. You're the living proof that the God that we've heard could change lives and heal and restore marriages is real. You are the proof. When you go to your Thanksgiving dinner and you used to be you know, so evasive and pushy and aggressive, but now you're more um, encouraging and asking about people's lives and more with people where they are, you're the proof. Now, you know, when yeah. you were using your mouth to gossip or spread rumors or be divisive, but now you're reconciling, now you're building up God's church, people see the living proof. Your life story confirms the, the story of Jesus, the anointed yeah. one. So you have to tell your story while you're going through it so people know they can invite Jesus into their lives while they're still going through it. Yeah, yeah. You're the proof. You're the proof. That's what I mean. When I was listening to him, I thought, this takes so much courage <laughs> to, to invite. And it, t- it told me something about Jesus. Like I was like, oh, what I know now about him, about this dude that I didn't know before is how much he trusts God. Because he's willing to tell all of us the middle of a story because he just thinks God's going to show up. He does not. He never went like, and I know I'm going to get what I want, but he was like, I'm telling y'all the middle because I want you to know this is just the middle. I just thought, man, his story is, was proof of Jesus to me. Yeah. That was absolutely the power of commonality. What do we have in common? And we're all in the middle of a story. Right, right. So when you share that you're not waiting to be perfect to invite Jesus into your mess, you're not waiting for your yeah. story to have a solution or to be over to invite Jesus into your mess. It shows other people as well. Can I share the story of my baby brother, Elijah? Yes, yes, I okay? want you to. Yeah. I, I'm like thinking about how it relates to this exactly because Elijah and I, we had something in common. We lost our daddy. I was 18 and he was 12 when our dad mm-hmm. uh, got cancer and went to be with Jesus. And I ministered to him. So wrong, Annie. <laughs> like I did all the wrong yeah. things. Yeah. I preached at him. I told him that God wanted to use his testimony one day. Sadness wasn't part of God's plan. And Elijah um, just shut down completely. He didn't want to talk about anything, much less our dad, much less God. But mm-hmm. the only thing he ever wanted to talk about was comic books. Oh, he wow. loved comic books and not like yeah. an average person like, yeah, yeah, I love, I like comic books. No, like actual, I know the crazy universe's way. And I just realized that I was so mad at Elijah for not stepping into my world. But if I wanted a relationship with him, I had to step into his world and fight for the relationship. Wow. And fighting to be right, it turns out it's the perfect plan of how not to save the world. Sometimes we have to step into people's worlds and fight for the relationship. So I became obsessed with comic books. I started uh, driving seven hours from college to read comic books with him, going to Marvel movies, uh, premieres with him when Marvel started coming out with movies. And it was 11 years of a relationship with my baby brother before he opened up saying he was mad at God, that he was hurt by God. 11 years before... He came over to my house and said, okay, I'm ready to have the joy you have. Wow. I'm ready to have the peace you have, the, the fearlessness you have. I know it's Jesus because I've heard your story. You've told me a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I know the answer. You got I it. I get it. Yeah, I yeah. talk a lot loudly, consistently. <laughs> Sometimes I rhyme. It's a whole thing. But um, 
he said, I know it's Jesus. And I get, I got to lead my baby brother to Jesus. And I'm sure that any freshman in any Christian college could pull apart the ways that I led him to Jesus that day. Like I didn't have the right words, but sometimes us thinking that we don't have the right words, we're not spiritual enough, skilled enough, or smart enough to mm-hmm. seal the deal stops mm-hmm. us from loving the people right next to us. And like you said, bringing people into our real stories where we are. Yes. And I yes. didn't have the perfect answer of why daddy died. I'm also hurting. I'm also mad. And I'm also trying to navigate that with Jesus and figure out hope now that I have a life without my dad. And I was able to lie to Jesus that day. And we went through, I love that you said you went through the gospels. We went through John. Yeah. Uh, we went through John. I was like, where should we start? I don't know. Let's just, let's just learn about Jesus. Let's just yeah. go through John. And all that to say is that, you know, we're talking about how God wanted to be with us, be Emmanuel with us. Sometimes our greatest witness will be our withness. Mm. How are you with the people in your life? How are you sharing your real story about where you really are? How are you coming alongside of them, seeing their lens of the world, seeing how they see the world? I kept sending my baby brother all these links to sermons of mine. Yeah. I've been a preacher this whole time. Like, right. watch the sermon, watch the sermon. <laughs> and turns out Elijah didn't need a preacher. He needed mm. a big sister. Wow. And he needed someone to be with him. And I, I'm, I'm encouraging Christians, that's my hope for this book and in my life, even beyond the lifespan of this book, is how is your withness? Don't worry about having the perfect words. Yeah. Consider being with people where they really are and sharing about where you really are because your life story confirms that Jesus is real. And the fact that he's interacting with your real life is the proof that he's real, available, accessible, and can change and transform lives. Yes. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about another one of our amazing partners, KiwiCo. We all know the school year is going to be filled with transitions, whether your kids are back in the classroom or logging in from home. And as parents, I'm sure it can be time consuming to give your kids the extra help they might need this school year. So here's a little something that can help. Hands-on science and art projects you can get delivered right to your door. KiwiCo will do just that. A couple of the staff kiddos here at Downs Books did several KiwiCo projects during their creative time this summer, and they raved about all of them, but said the Maker Crate, where they built their own spin art machine, was their favorite. Y'all, I love spin art. Everything they needed was included in the box, conveniently delivered right to the door. And after they put together the circuitry and wired the little motor, then they had the chance to create and watch paint colors spin and combine. I love it. They legitimately covered the kitchen counter with little papers filled with beautiful spun art and had the best time. The fun begins even before the projects do. Just seeing the box arrive in the mail is so exciting for kids and all of us. I know. I love getting mail, too. You'd be surprised how high quality the materials are, too. These are real engineering, science, and art projects for kids. Cultivating your child's natural creativity and curiosity with new hands-on projects can happen every month. They'll explore new worlds and rediscover familiar ones, all without leaving the house. From sailing the solar system to engineering a drip irrigation system and more. I think you'll love doing your part to encourage your kids to be innovators and creative thinkers. They'll be amazed at what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. And you know what the best part is? Watching their confidence grow. As a parent, it can be hard to find creative ways to keep your kids busy and challenged. So let KiwiCo do all the legwork for you. And then you can spend quality time tackling those projects together. There's something for kids of all ages and there's no commitment so you can pause or cancel anytime. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects to build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. So get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash that sounds fun. 
That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash that sounds fun. And now back to finish our conversation with my friend, Hosanna. So for, I mean, we have friends listening who don't believe everything we believe, Hosanna, and are very yeah. new to like, yeah. who is Jesus? Yeah. And so, so when you think about, I mean, we know Jesus was the answer. He is the one who saved the world. Right. Will you kind of talk to our friends who don't know Jesus or who are brand new to this about yeah. what does it look like after, what's the next step before we yeah. get to where we're telling everybody else everything we know? Do we have to know a certain amount before we yes. can tell people our story? Hey, friends. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Me too. Even if you're not sure about this Jesus thing or this church thing or this God thing, and you're just not really sure in your role in all of it, if you want to be involved, how involved, my guess is that no matter where you are in your life, you've had times in your life where you were sure someone was fighting against you. Mm. And if you've ever felt that, you've been right. There has always been someone fighting against you, wanting you not to know your purpose, not know your value, not know why you're on this earth and how important it is that you are here. And that's the bad news. But the good news is that there's always been someone fighting for you because God has made you very specifically, designed you really intentionally for really good things. And the Bible says that you're made good, that every part of you is made good. And it says that you were made for good things. You were made for a purpose and that you are made for the good of others. It's actually a good thing for your family that you're in it. It's wow. actually a good thing for your community and your friends that you're here. We are really glad that you're here with us in 2021. And if you gave your life to Jesus, he would make you whole and healed. And he will heal any parts of your heart that are broken. And he will make you more you, like not a different person but more of yourself, more of the best parts of you. He made you good. He wants to be more of yourself. And when you give your life to Jesus, you don't do everything perfectly. Not everything is perfect. What it looks like is and like any real relationship, you have this ongoing conversational relationship with him and he helps you see how to live so that you live with the most purpose, that you live the life you were created to live with the most joy and with the most peace. And then you read his word, like me and Annie were talking about to see what he's like and how he yeah. lives and his hope. And then that doesn't mean that everything's easy. It just means that you can go into real life and into hard times with more hope and more joy. And then you join us in sharing that hope and joy with other people. And you might have seen Jesus talked about really wrong, really aggressively and and really pushy. And you don't want to be a part of that. And you're right. We haven't always done this right. right. We don't want to be like that either. And if you would consider Jesus, he's better than some people have portrayed him as to us. And you join us, and then we're going to show people what Jesus is actually like. Just because other people have done it wrong doesn't mean we can't do it right. I want you to know God loves you exactly where you are, and um, he would love to get to know you if you would say yes to him today. Yeah. Hosanna, I just think one of my friends became a believer, a teenager, a couple of weeks ago. And And when he told me, I just said, I'm telling you, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. But also, life has not been easy. It is not what makes oh, yeah. life easy. It is just that I haven't been alone in it ever. I've never been alone in it because even right. on the worst days, now now I'm not alone. Right. That's so true. You know, last summer, I don't know if I told you this, last summer, because I, I was self-published for years. This is my first published book. Yes. I, I did self-publishing for years. I think it's when I met you. I was like bringing my self-published books places. And yeah. last year, our warehouse that had all of my self-published books and albums burned to the ground. 
I did not know that. Everything we worked for for years, the only merchandise we had, it burned to the ground. And um, that stunk, obviously. Uh, yes, that yes, was mildly. absolute worst. We're all going through fires in 2020, though, for sure. Right. And, and, and people asked me, you know, like, how are you continuing on? You know, and I, the truth is that I have the luxury of this isn't the first fire I've gone through. And so I, it's not that I have all this faith. It's just that I have a good memory. And I remember that God has brought me through fire after fire. I grew up on the streets of San Francisco. I grew up in the hood, like the hood hood. I saw the first time I saw someone killed in front of me, I was nine. I lost my daddy to cancer. I lost things behind closed doors. I've seen, I've seen other people walk through fires and I've seen how God interacts with our real lives. So the truth is that that wasn't the first fire I had been through. And I think some of us have that superpower the superpower of, man, I fumbled a lot. I've lost a lot. I've failed a lot. And I have a good memory. And I remember that the same God that brought me through before will bring me through again. I mean, it's also why I decided to publish the next book. I was like, I just need these truths that can transform the church and transform lives to be in print and in a publisher's yes. hand so it can't burn down. <laughs> yes. So um, I'll like, just put it out there, you know. Um, but it's, it's true. You know, that doesn't mean that life with Jesus is easier. It just means as you go through real life and hard life, that God is with you in the fire, that he uses your story to show other people how he can be with them in the fire, and that you are kind of made, you know, he uses the things that happened in the fire to kind of make you more you, the best, yeah. strongest, most resilient version of you. That sentence, I, it's not that I have great faith, it's that I have a great memory, is yeah. <laughs> so important. That's so important. That I mean, that is why I have a tub of journals at my house, is mm -hmm. because I... Again, if we're talking about how high our boundaries have to be because of our <laughs> our, our weakness, uh, I have to write down God's faithfulness to me because I forget it all the time. But then when I pull back up a journal, I go, oh, oh my gosh, look at everything he did that he would say he would do. I just have a great—you're that exactly right. I, I'm not even sure I have a great memory. I have a great ability to record God's history with my life, and therefore I can remember it. So I think when people feel like they're supposed to have more faith, they feel like they're supposed to muster it up instead of remembering what God's already done. Amen. That's good. How do you how do you record what God's done for you? What's your rhythm of that? Or it or do you just have a good enough memory that you like can pull things back up? <laughs> no, I write things down. I write things down and it's not all cute Anna Green Gables in a leather, you know, notebook journal underneath no. the hardwood floor. <laughs> I think right. I always thought that's how I would be. But sometimes I have so much that I'm thinking and my hand is cramping. So there is stuff in my computer. The truth is this. I mean, it's not the perfect organization, but there's oh, right. folders in my computer and there's journals, it's just depending where I was in the world, where I was traveling, what I had available to me. Sometimes it's in my notes and my phone, you know, on the iCloud, but I am always putting dates. So no matter if it's on my phone, my computer, my journal, I can find it. I can search for it. And I need it to remember, look at what God has done. Look at the prayers answered. Look, and, and names of people that were involved a part of it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah. and seeing how God answers prayers. God does miracles. And to see like, oh my gosh, that's right. I prayed for this five years ago. Yeah. Um, so I write it. I write, I have some things in journals, some things in my notes app and some things in my computer. Yeah. That's the truth. That's how it works best for me. I'm, I'm in all three. And then when I'm preaching off of a certain topic, I'll search. Yeah, that's right. That's prayers. the help of doing it on computer. Totally. Uh, Hosanna, you're gonna. I think you're gonna love this. The stuff that is in documents on my computer are the things that I. I have a little prophetic 
life streak in me. Like I love the prophetic. And so the things that are on my computer are the things that I think God might be doing. And if I'm wrong, (laughs) I can just throw that document away. (laughs) Like it never existed. (laughs) We were talking about like things that we've like, we're super spiritual that maybe we've dismissed in our lives. And it was a few years ago where I felt a conviction that I don't pray big prayers. Mm. You know, I think after losing my dad to cancer, though that was 13 years ago, that prayer not being answered affected me greatly. And I just stopped praying bold prayers because I was like, I don't want to waste my time or my breath. Like, I'm just going to pray the prayers that you'll probably answer. God, you know, be glorified today. (laughs) God, you know. And I stopped praying bold prayers. And a few years ago, I felt strongly convicted while I was praying with God, pray for more. What do you want? What are your dreams? What are your hopes? I don't want hopes. I don't want dreams because I'm tired of loss. And my dad is my big loss, but I've lost a lot. I've lost many people on the streets and in the church. And I'm like, I don't want to pray for more. I'm tired of disappointment. I just felt God stretched me. Prayer is not just this cute, fluffy thing. This is your weapon to fight wow. the gates of hell and to build God's church. What do you want? So I started praying these bold prayers for my family, bold prayers for my ministry, yeah. bold prayers for my marriage. And I'm glad I wrote them down. And yes. as I go back to that journal and write, God answered this today. God's Man, that makes me want to start a new one that's like, Big prayer journal where I'm just writing the things. <laughs> Come on. I don't want to be people of faith that don't have any faith. I'm going to ask God you. to do big things in our world today. So that's yes. another thing that I, I have like a new sense, not just for sharing the gospel, but for praying so that Jesus is more real in my life every yeah. day. I want to see him move. I want to see miracles. And so um, that's something that, you know, is key. You can crochet at a lot of places, and it's also the truth that can transform lives. That's exactly right. That is one of my big takeaways from today's conversation is I got to quit writing off all the stuff that are that are the old people in church cross-stitched because I'm tired. I want faith, hope, and love to, like, matter to me and transform me instead of rolling my eyes about it. Come on. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we talk about, Hosanna? No, I think, I mean, I feel like we hit so much. We did all the things, girl. We did all the things. We did exactly what I would want to do when next time we have coffee, except we'd use more names and tell more things that we can't tell publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we'll tell her, I mean, everybody needs to grab a copy of How Not to Save the World. Thank you for what you put into that. I mean, it is, for as much as I love seeing you on stage, and I love seeing you on stage, you just bring... You bring such a um, non-anxious presence full of truth on stage that you have done that in this book, Hosanna. So I'm so thankful. The last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. What sounds fun to you? That's right. That's right. I know where I am. Okay. (laughs) The truth about what sounds fun to me is shocking to me to say out loud a little bit because I love you and I honor you. The truth is... What sounds really fun is going to a Taylor Swift concert. That is very fun. You, you've you done nothing wrong but make me jealous and want to go with you. I was like, what really sounds fun? That's great. Like, That's a great answer. It doesn't never, have to be any different than that. I've never been to one. But, Girl. man, when shows were closed down this past year and a half, and I'm like, I'm, like, too busy to go to shows. I'm not really into big shows. I like these small shows, la, la, yeah. la. Then the opportunity was taken from me. And I was like, I just want to be in a stadium of women singing 22 at right. the top of my lungs. <laughs> right. This is what sounds fun, if I'm being honest. If I'm that is a great truth. answer. Um, <laughs> tell me how you feel about Folklore and Evermore. Do you like the new ones? I love the new ones. And I don't want you to get hate email, Annie, but I have a case for it that Evermore is better than Folklore. Because <gasps> I would say Folklore is <gasps> better. Why do you like Evermore better? Okay, well, Folklore... 
needed to come first. We had to have sure. folklore to understand Evermore, like what yeah, is happening. Right. But the reason why I know I love Evermore more is because I put it on more. Like when yeah. I'm washing my dishes, packing my bags, I'm like, oh, I just want to listen to Willow. Oh, yeah. so cute. I just want to listen to Closure. There's just a little bit more sprinkles of happy and joy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I noticed that I turned it on more and I was like, yeah. shoot, I liked Evermore more. <laughs> I can't believe I had to admit it to my friends. It was a whole yeah. confession time. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to confess my it to hope, you as well. Yeah, I'll receive it. My hope is that when now I, she just announced that Red is coming, her re-book, redoing of Red, yes. which have we ever seen a more girl boss? I don't even want to say girl boss. Have we ever seen a more boss move than her re-recording all the albums that the that record? No. no, we've never Annie. seen a bigger move. What a move! Can I, can I admit something to you? Since you seem yes. to know a little bit about this, so you know yes. a little about Taylor's re-recordings. Yes. In my book, I'll make this brief. I've never told anyone this. I thought I would be too embarrassed to share, but I feel compelled to admit this to you. In my book, I quote a few artists. Yeah. One is our girl T Swift, but it was from We Are Never Getting Back Together. Uh-huh. And they said, we have to put the name of the record label at the end of the citation. And I said, can we leave it out? Because I'm pretty sure she's going to re-record these by the time yes. the book comes out. And I really want it to say written by Taylor. Yes. And they were like, are you sure you want to fight this battle? And I was like, it means so much to me. You don't understand. <laughs> and I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to the editor. I wrote a whole thing. And so we were able to put we were able to put written by Taylor Swift, and then yes. my script went in. A month later, she announced re-recording Red, brilliant. Version. And I was like, "Look at Christ! The <laughs> Look at the Lord of God! <laughs> Won't he when you do see it?" Taylor, Taylor, in my book citation, <laughs> you will see it says written by Taylor. That's right. That's, <laughs> That's so good. That's oh, listen. I if whenever she tours, let's just pray about going together because I have never had more fun. I want to make sure I'm telling the truth. I've had, I've been to her show twice and it is so deeply fun. It is so deeply fun. So I just love her. I love 1980. I mean, 1989 is an album that will, I don't know that we'll have another album like that in my lifetime that makes me feel the things 1989 feels. Oh my gosh, that is so real. Okay, I'm going to pray on it. The power of prayer. Let's pray on it. It Let's pray on us going to a show together. (laughs) Um, Hosanna, I love you, friend. Thanks for being here. I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me, friend. Appreciate it a lot. Love you. Oh, you guys, don't you just love her? My gosh, so much truth, so much help. Uh, And please go to Instagram and see the picture of how Hosanna had to use her microphone. Y'all aren't even ready. It's hysterical. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of her new book, How Not to Save the World. It is so good. And make sure you're following her so you can tell her thanks for being on the show. And if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Have a great couple days, and we'll see you back here on Wednesday for our very special Q&A episode about singleness. We'll see you guys then. Yeah.